0: In other words, when your thoughts begin to line up with God's thoughts, then the manifestation of what God has said will take place. We begin to create our own happiness. We begin to create our own place of joy. We begin to create our own place of security. We begin to try to create, and the Bible says it's futile to try to do those things. Jesus being the ultimate high priest of all time. I am of a select royal line that, that unless you know Jesus, you don't get to be a part of. And now, a continuation of Pastor Eddie Mason's sermon on spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is resisting, overcoming, and defeating the enemy's lies. Turn to your neighbor and say, Spiritual warfare is resisting, overcoming, and defeating the enemy and his lies. Amen. Look and point to yourself and say, that's me and Jesus. Amen. All right, glory to God. So, what we want to see is we want to see this resistance to the lies of the enemy. We also want to see the church stand up and resist the the, uh, world systems that are going on. We don't want to fall into the trap. Let me kind of tell you what I believe. And you don't have to believe like I believe, that's okay with me, as long as you believe in Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. But I believe that that number 666 represents man's system. It's man upon man upon man. And what that is, is a form of man taking care of man. And the other side of that is rather than looking to Jesus for the fulfillment of our needs, for the fulfillment of our blessings, for the fulfillment of our life, we swap Jesus for government. That's what happens. And so when we look to the government to meet our needs we are no longer in a position of resisting what the enemy is wanting to do. We have now submitted ourselves. Worship is a form of looking to someone that will take care of you and that you know is greater than you are. And so if the government of God is not greater than the government on the earth you have a problem. Am I making sense to anybody? All right. And so we we want to understand that. And so when we begin to look at at the idea of what the government is going to do for us, then the, the enemy, the Antichrist, is going to come in and he's going to say, we will feed you, we will clothe you, we will take care of your every need. That's an Antichrist spirit. And for three and a half years he's going to be able to do it. And at the end of three and a half years his system will crash and you will see a dynamic change in the approach from the Antichrist. You cannot wait until the Antichrist is in charge to begin resisting dependency on anyone or anything other than our God. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, God is my resource. God is my source. God is my everything. And so we want to grab hold of this idea of resisting the ideas of men. How many know men have good ideas, but they're not God ideas? Okay? And so we have to stay away from this idea that, that man's going to take care of you. And then the third form is casting out demons. I want to talk more about casting out demons and, and and the process of all that. As I was going home the other day after this was over, uh, Jesus reminded me of the scripture where that his his uh, disciples were not able to cast out a demon. You remember that? Yeah. And uh, and because they weren't able to, God said this kind only comes out through fasting and prayer. And if I get a chance, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that because in that Jesus gave us a solution. And it's not just more prayer, more fasting, okay? I want to get into more of that. But So, what the Lord said was, I had to bring them to a higher level. Now, understand this, they had healed the sick, they had cast out demons, they had done all manner of marvelous works. So, they had a a great deal of faith going into this, but they still failed. And so, we want to talk about demons and, and what needs to be done with demons. Amen. All right, so I want to go back to this idea of pulling down strongholds. And and we've been using 2 Corinthians 10 as our foundational verse for this. 2 Corinthians 10 5 said, "'We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete.'" In other words when your thoughts begin to line up with God's thoughts then the manifestation of what God has said will take place. We've taken that prayer of agreement. How many of you have heard, or heard about the prayer of agreement? And so if Ron and I agree to one thing then that's going to happen, right? No. That's not what the prayer of agreement is all about. Which is the way we have utilized that scripture the way that agreement works is when Rhonda and I get in tune with God and we hear the thing from God then we can pray in agreement with God and it will manifest and it will come to pass. Amen. Those things will come to pass. And so he said disobedience, evil will be will be, will be be done away with, it will be taken care of, it will be taken uh, captive when we put our thought life under obedience to Christ and we come into agreement with Him. That makes sense to everybody? Okay, so that's where we're coming from, is from this scripture. And so he's telling us that we need to take these thoughts captive. Remember, a stronghold is an area of darkness that we have in us. How many of you know that sometimes that area of darkness controls us? Now, let me tell you what an uh, area of darkness is. What if you had a stronghold of exactly. What Sandy talked about today of complaining. Well, that's, that's, that's evil. What if you had a stronghold of you have to be in control? What if you have, y'all are getting awful quiet on me. What if you had a, con- what if you had a stronghold of gossip? You just can't help it. You're going to tell what you know come hell or high water. What, what if you had a, a, a stronghold of lying? See, we, we we get into this idea of demonic strongholds, and yet we have these strongholds, these lies that operate inside of us, and we function out of those lies. And this is our excuse. Well I am who I am and nothing's going to change me. And you know something? You're absolutely right because you won't submit it to God and so you will die with the stronghold still inside because you refuse to submit to Almighty God. we don't want to come into those places. Behavioral problems. We have behavioral problems because of the strongholds, the lies that we have believed. Ephesians 4.17, I want to keep on with this idea of taking every thought captive. I want, us to, I want us to begin to see these things. Ephesians 4.17 said, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Futility of their minds they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of god because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality greedy to practice every kind of impurity now when we begin to when we begin to picture this all of a sudden we have this we just get to this thing about how intense the futility of our mind is but the futility of our mind is where we think that we can take control, where we think that we can handle the things that are going on in our life. When we began to think that we, can, we have all the answers and that we are smarter than God. Well, ain't nobody going to say they are smarter than God. Well, some of you sure do act like it. You know how I know that? Because I act like it too. I act like I'm going to figure stuff out. I don't submit it to God. I just say I'm gonna take care of it. I don't even ask God to intervene. I just say I'm gonna handle it. All right, let me just tell you something. You ain't got enough money, all you gotta do is apply for another credit card. If, you know, if, if, if that's not enough, go see your banker. If the banker isn't enough, you know, go see your daddy. Oh, come on now. Are you all with me? What I'm telling you is, is what happens is we begin to practice things. How many of you know we practice greed? Let me, let me just give you one little, little standpoint. I'm not condemning everybody, I'm just trying to show you where strongholds are. Okay, There's no condemnation in any of this. Please don't let it get in there. But how many of you get ready and you got, you're going to take something to goodwill and you take all your old ragged stuff? Somebody needs a lamp. I got this one old lamp stuck up in, the, up in the attic somewhere. Why don't you give them your best lamp? Why don't you give them what you got that's the best that you've got? Why? Well, that's my stuff. That's my stuff. How many of y'all seen that little Geico ad, the little lizard that uh, he's there and he's having a yard sale? And somebody's put his, his easy chair out there, his reclining chair, and he goes, That's not for sale. That's not for sale. You know? How many of us would do that? My daddy at one time had 40 pairs of shoes in his, in his uh, closet. Them suckers were old, wore out. You couldn't even put a shine on them anymore. My mama went in his closet and threw him away, and I thought my daddy was going to have a hissy fit. It's hard to upset my daddy, but he was so upset because those 40 pairs of shoes that he wasn't ever going to wear again got thrown away. Can I tell you, those shoes had him. He didn't have the shoes. Amen. He had to go repent to my mama about it. I was a little boy when that happened. You, didn't, you probably don't even remember it. It made such an impression on me. That that, that those things happen. Can I tell you that's what happens to us? The futility of our mind is we begin to grab hold of things that are that are not even worth grabbing hold of. And our mind, it's something that is so important. Anybody have something on your mind? It's just so important. If you don't say it, hell's gonna freeze over or bust wide open and everybody's gonna die. You gotta say it, man. You gotta say it. And then when you say it, everybody goes. Well, let me tell you what happened to me. We play that game of one-upmanship. Well, son, I was in a meeting the other day and blind eyes opened. Now watch the futility of this. Watch what happens to me. I was in one where not only blind eyes open, but man, he, had to, he was crippled and he walked. And the next guy said, well, I was in a meeting where blind eyes opened, two people grew out and two arms grew out. And he said, there's even an extra hand grew out on his back. It was so much. I caught a fish, and that fish, man, that sucker was probably 18 inches long. That's nothing. I caught one that's 36 inches long. The reason I'm telling you this is because th- that's futile thinking. What, what if you were to turn around and get excited about what somebody else was saying? Can I just be real honest with you? People all the time tell me stuff that I've known for years. They tell me stuff that I'm knowing, I'm going, oh my God. No, I'm not. That's not what I do. What the Lord told me was He said you better be excited they get in the Revelation and you better listen intently to what they are saying because it is so important that what they are doing is they are sharing with you. They are sealing it in their heart and they are reviving it in your heart. You ain't heard it enough. Amen. Okay, but in the futility of mine I've been there. You know what that is? That is a Pharisaical spirit. When you you walk around I know that stuff, I know all that stuff. Well, evidently you don't because you're not walking like Jesus yet. Amen. And so we need to, and we need to get to rid of these things. And so the futility of the mind, look at that guy. He's trying to keep that truck from turning over. How many of you think he's got a chance? I don't believe he got a chance, do you? I believe that truck's going to whip him. But he's giving it every effort. Can I tell you that's what we start doing sometimes is we, want to, we don't want to go to God. We want to try to handle things in our own power and our own strength and do things our way. And so God's telling us, he's saying, he's saying, he's telling us, he said, don't do this. He said, we begin to seek fulfillment, happiness, and joy by following the lust of the flesh. Bible even says sin is pleasurable for a moment. And so when we find that out what we do is in the futility of our mind we begin to create our own happiness. We begin to create our own place of joy. We begin to create our own place of security. We begin to try to create and the Bible says it's futile to try to do those things. Am I making any sense to you today? All of these become strongholds. All of these things become strongholds. I remember my mother one time, uh, Daddy and Brick were running a business, I was off doing another thing, and and, uh, my mother always worried about money. Anybody here worry about money? Go ahead, raise your hands. You don't be liars. Slowly putting them up, you know, liars go to hell. Okay. We get worried about money. My mama would worry about money. And this was my mom, my, this was my mother's statement. She said, if we ever get $100,000 in savings, I, I'll be fine. I went into and I said, Mama, how's things going? She said, Well, she said, I don't know. I'm just, I'm worried about the money coming in. And I said, Well, how much money you got in savings? She said, $130,000. I said, I thought you'd be happy. She said, Well, I did too. but she said, I think $200 would be better. So about six weeks later, I walk in. I said, Mama, I heard you did real good. She said, I'm still worried about money. I said, how much money you got? She said, I got $280,000 in savings. And she said, and I'm scareder than I've ever been. The next time I talked to her, I said, Mama, how much money you got in savings now? She said, about $340,000. She said, Eddie, I don't believe there's enough savings in the world. I said, I believe you're finally getting on track, Mama. See that's that's futile thinking. It's futile thinking when when we when we have to when we try to get to this place. And there's nothing wrong with accumulation of money. Abraham had a little bit of it, didn't he? Isaac had a little bit of it. Moses had a little bit of it. Anyway. Okay. So it's in the futility of their their thinking. And so if we have futile thinking and we have these thoughts that don't line up with God then it says in Matthew 3.10, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Let me take that back to 2 Corinthians 10. Every thought that doesn't come from God needs to be taken hold of, it needs to be cut at the root, and it needs to be burned in the fire. When you think, when you think the government's gonna take care of you, you need to uproot that sucker, stick it in the fire and burn it up. When you begin to believe that the doctor is better than Jesus, you better uproot that thing and put it in the fire and burn it up. Well, Eddie, are you not gonna take money from the government? As long as they'll send it, I'm gonna take it. But if they stop, I ain't gonna cry. Ain't their money anyway. I played into it for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And years. Make me behold because they think they're sending me, they, they put me on a, a program of Social Security. They're they not sending me their money. They ain't even giving me all my money back yet. Anyway, let me go. We got to lay an axe. Every thought that is against God's word must be captured and put to death. Truth. And the Holy Spirit like an axe, who is the Holy Spirit, like an axe laid to the root cuts down our pride, our vanity, our self-confidence, and our glorying in our own righteousness, holiness, carnal wisdom, and fleshly privileges. How I many you know we have strongholds? We have strongholds because we got this pride that rises up inside of us. We got strongholds because we have this fleshly wisdom that goes on inside of us. We've, got, we've got, we got strongholds upon strongholds and the Lord's saying, if you will allow me, I will strip the strongholds and I will replace them with my power and with my love and with my glory and with my holiness. And then you can say, like Paul said, I will glory, not in my strength, but in my what? In my weakness. Why? Because when I am weak, he is strong. Amen. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise. How many of you believe Jesus is going to take care of you? Amen. Amen. I, I, me too. I believe that. I, I believe He has and I believe he, he, he will. And I believe He's going to continue to take care of me. And so I want to see these things taken, taken care of. And so we want to take every thought captive. You know, Man, it's like a guy. You go in and you're gonna take a gun and you're gonna hold it over the enemy and you're gonna say, "The enemy, you cannot have my thought life." Thank you, Lord. you know, little children, in here are there. My daddy had a friend. He's gone to be with the Lord. He got saved since this happened. My daddy and his friend would work all day, sometimes for three, four, five days at a time. They'd work days, nights, days and nights selling and doing the things that they were called to do. Weekends would come, he'd be late at night, and they'd have to come home. Daddy'd be so exhausted he'd look at his buddy and say, I don't think I can drive home. He said, I can do it. I'll drive you home. And Ken would, Ken would, not this Ken. Okay. Not this Ken, or that Ken. All right, not those Kens. So nobody in this building. Like I said, he's already gone to be with the Lord. Ken would drive, and he never get sleepy. They've been doing this for several months, and Daddy said, "Ken, how do you do that?" He said, "It's real simple." He said, "I just start undressing women in my mind, and I just see him undressing. It keeps me awake, and I I see him undressing." I mean, you know, he had a lust problem. Oh, you guys are looking so holy like y'all ain't never had a lust problem. <laughs> that lust problem comes in our thought life. And if we don't take control over it and, 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 and do something about it it will take control of us. And then what happens is with this lust thoughts what we do is we begin to grab hold of that thought and we begin to take it deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Aren't you glad you came this morning? I know you women never have any problem with lust, right? Don't say anything. You're all right right this minute. I'm telling you, we have, that's where the thoughts take over, and we've got to take those jokers captive. When the thought of sin begins to move in, when worry and fear and doubt, if you begin to think about what you're doubting about, I can promise you one thing doubt will own you. Fear will own you. Anxiety will own you. It's when you begin to take hold of these things and say, no, I'm taking you captive. I refuse to allow you to dominate who I am. Hallelujah. I will not do it. Any do you win every time? Nope. I win more time now than I lose though. Let me tell you that again. I win more times now than I lose. How about you? Come on. Yeah, amen. That's what I'm telling you. I still lose some battles but I'm not out of the fight and I don't quit and I don't let that lying sucker tell me who I am or what I am. When I, met, when I mess up and I take those thoughts and they, they overcome me for a minute I am not going to let him then take, and take it to the next step which is to beat me down tell me I'm a worthless piece of garbage. Tell me that I am worth or nothing that I am no good, that I am a failure. Uh-uh. Now we ain't, even going, we ain't even started to go to that place. My Savior died on a cross, shed blood because I don't have to live in that hell. I may have messed up on that one battle but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going back and I'm going to win that battle and we're going to take those thoughts captives and they're not going to overcome me anymore. Amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. Say it again Russ. Well, times, Amen. Come on. Come on, that's right. That's right. And so, but I'm going to take these thoughts captive. I'm going to take these thoughts captive. Let me tell you one of the worst thoughts you can have. I can't cast out a demon. Well, for goodness sakes, don't get near one then because what will happen is it will beat your butt up. (laughs) But it's a lie. Well, if I pray for sick people, they're not going to get healed. Well, they sure are going to get healed if you don't pray for them. Am I making any sense at all to you all today? Do you see how the enemy plants thoughts on our minds and we take hold of them? I, I was listening to a, 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 I think it was Rodney Howard Brown that was talking. And he said he said the enemy got a hold of him so bad one time he said everybody he prayed for died. He said, then they'd call him up and they'd say, Rodney, will you come pray for my mother? And he'd say, why, you want her to die? And the enemy just kept planting that into him and into him. Finally, one day the Lord got a hold of him and said, stop, Rodney. Stop. And he said, a miraculous thing started happening. Sick people started getting healed. He said, I began to believe God's Word rather than my Word's. The little thing says, Who is the captive? Your thoughts or you? Who is the captive? First Peter 2 9. You are a chosen race. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm chosen. You know, when, when, when we were kids, they were always picking teams. Play dodgeball or baseball or softball or something. And the bigger, faster, older kids always got chosen first. And when we were littler, not little, but littler, you know, we would be the last. And we'd think we're never gonna get chosen. We're never gonna get chosen. We're never gonna get chosen. And boy, as long as you weren't chosen last, you were okay. But if you were ever chosen last, everybody would go, oh God he got to be on my team. And most of the time it wound up this way. Uh, Rodney, eh, he would be on Herman's team. It'll be okay. Anybody ever go through that besides me? I got picked on a little bit when I was a kid. I've told this story many times, but my next door neighbor used to win all my marbles for me. My daddy finally got tired of it. He went down there and started shooting marbles. He won all my marbles back. I lost several hundred marbles because of the bullies that would come in and would take over." Well, I want you to know you don't have to worry about bullies, you don't have to worry about being chosen, you don't have to worry about being special. God's Word says you are chosen. Turn to your neighbor with a big grin and say, I'm on the team. team. I get a uniform. And it's scarlet red. Amen. Come on. You've been chosen. You're chosen. He says, you're chosen. The enemy says, you're nothing. God says, I'm chosen. I'm going to take that other thought and say, that's full of garbage. I'm flushing that thought. I am of a royal priesthood. My lineage is Melchizedek and Jesus, Jesus being the ultimate high priest of all time. I am of a select royal line that, that unless you know Jesus, you don't get to be a part of. It doesn't get any better than that. When I was in, when I went to I went to Tech before I went to Clemson for a year and they had Rush Week. Anybody know what Rush Week is? All right, rush week was when everybody went and checked out all the sororities and the fraternities. I tried to check out more sororities than fraternities but they wouldn't let me in for some reason. But anyway it's fraternities. And so you go into these fraternities and and when you get into these fraternities it's just a drunken uh, party is what's going on. That's all that's going on. And so they get you in there and then they decide whether they like you or they don't like you. And if they don't like you then they have a vote and they can blackball you and you're, you're out. You don't get to come in. And, and they, went, they went through all this stuff and, and I, was, I liked some of my friends like this one particular fraternity and so I went with them several times. And then in order to get in the fraternity you had to go through Hell Week. And in Hell Week we had these paddles. And when the paddles, I used to could do this, I can't do it anymore, but they would tell you bend over and grab your ankles and so you'd have to bend over and grab your ankles and an upperclassman would then just hit, hit you right square in the butt as hard as he could with that board. And when you stood up you were to turn around and say thank you sir, would you like to give me another? I asked, I said, say that one more time. I said, after we hit you with a paddle, you got to stand up and say, thank you, sir. Would you like another? I looked at my buddy. I said, y'all dumb as dirt. (laughs) I hope y'all have fun in your fraternity. I don't want to be in that organization. That is just not for me. You know, later I found out about secret societies and some of that other stuff. But, but the, the point is that I have been chosen for a fraternal order to where Jesus is the elder brother and admission is allowing him to take my sins. Woo-hoo! Jesus is the one that bent over and took the beating for me so that I could come in. And I'm going to allow the enemy to tell me who I am. I'm going to allow the enemy to operate in my head. I'm going to allow the enemy, golly, I have hardly got past the introduction. How are you going to take care of the strongholds? Stand to your feet I'm going to share one more thing with you and we're going to go. I, I, I wrote this scripture four weeks ago and then somebody called and talked to me about it. I can't remember who I was talking to about it but they gave me a little something on it. But you see the only way you take thoughts captive is first acknowledge that they are wrong, and the second thing you've got to do is you've got to replace that thought. Okay? One of the things you need to do is ask yourself a question. I can, I can get you to think about what I want you to think about. How many of you believe that? All I have to do is ask you this question, what color is the blood of Jesus? What would you say? Everybody in this room just went straight right, right went right straight to red. And so what happens is that question then requires an answer, and that answer replaces whatever thought I had in my head. And so when the enemy tries to lie to me, I have to ask the question and say, Jesus, is that what you said? And when he says no, this is what I say, immediately I take hold what Jesus said. Am I making sense to you? Psalms 23 says, Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Whoever was talking to me made this statement to me and I'm sorry I can't remember who it was. He said, you do realize we're not going to have any enemies in Heaven, right? How many of you know you're not going to have any enemies in Heaven? So, that table he's talking about preparing is where? Right here. And so the Lord says that when I replace that thought, then I need to feast at the table. I don't need to just take that. I need to sit down and get full and I need to drink a little of the wine for joy's sake. I need to begin to worship. I begin to need to praise. I begin to feast on the Word of God until I get myself slap happy in Jesus Christ, and I tell that devil, go exactly where he belonged, to go to dry and arid places, because he has no right in the temple of the Most High God. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons with Pastor Eddie Mason, Senior Pastor at Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you were loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We welcome you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday for service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. And we would also like to bless you with a Father's Prayer from Papa Herman, an elder at Southside Christian Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you that the Lord will lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.